From WCAI in Woods Hole and WGBH Radio Boston, this is Living Lab Radio. I'm Heather Goldstone. Last year, the Parker Solar Probe flew closer to the sun than anything ever has before. Now scientists have released the first results, and there are some big surprises. Solar winds up to 25 times faster than expected and previously unknown rogue waves. Joining me now to explain is Nicolene Vial. She is a research scientist with the Solar Physics Laboratory at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Welcome to the show. Hello. So the sun is our closest star, but because it is so hot, it is also one of the least studied bodies in our solar system. What were some of the outstanding questions that the Parker mission set out to answer? So the solar atmosphere is incredibly hot. It's millions of degrees, which is hundreds of times hotter than the photosphere, which is the visible surface of the sun. That's like if you were walking away from a fireplace and it got hundreds of times hotter. Hmm. So we know the magnetic field is involved with it, but we don't quite know how that happens. So that's one of the things that Parker is investigating is this hot corona, this hot solar atmosphere, which then expands outwards and fills our whole solar system with what we call the solar wind. So in order to answer that question, Parker was trying to get as close to the sun as it could. It's been said it touched the sun. How close did it actually get? So we've gone closer than ever before, closer than Mercury's orbit. Uh, We continue to use Venus's gravity to help us get even closer to the sun in future orbits. The closest approach we're going to have will be 4 million miles from the surface of the sun. So by comparison, the distance from the Earth to the sun is 93 million miles. So this is about 4% of the distance between the sun and the Earth is how close the Parker Solar Probe is going to get to the sun. It will touch the solar atmosphere. That's really the part of the sun that it's touching. And how hot is it there? Millions of degrees. Uh, the heat actually is not what we're worried about directly. It's the the sun's light that we're worried about. That's what our heat shield on the Parker hmm. Solar Probe protects us from is the sun's light because the density is actually very low. So it's sort of like when you stick your hand in an oven and you don't get burnt, even if the oven is 500 degrees, unless you touch the side. It's, right. The air is actually low density. So it's kind of like that. So how do you actually engineer a spacecraft to be able to withstand, first of all, the cold of space and then that kind of intense heat. Yeah, in fact, it is hard to do that. We had to wait for technology to catch up with our ideas. The idea to fly a probe to the sun predates NASA's existence, in fact. Hmm. Uh, This has always been something we've thought would be a good idea, but it took a while for technology to catch up. Um, Exactly as you said, we've got to make sure not to melt when we get close to the sun and the intense solar radiation is beating down. So we've got this heat shield. It's four inches thick. It's made of carbon foam, and it keeps the instruments behind it at about room temperature. And we have lots of testing that all of the instruments undergo to make sure that they can survive both the hot and cold of space. Well, that's some insulation that I want in my house. If it can keep it room temperature when it's the temperature of the sun outside. I mean, the the other thing with Parker is not only is it withstanding this this heat and cold, but it is moving incredibly fast, over 153,000 miles per hour. I mean, what kind of data can it even collect at that speed? 
Well, we can collect lots of data, and we do take into account the fact that we are moving through the material as opposed to um, being still in the material. That actually helps us sample more of the material. Uh, but Parker Solar Probe is already the fastest human-made object ever. And as we spiral in closer to the sun, we get faster and faster and faster. And in fact, the fastest we will go is a half a million miles an hour, which is wow. incredibly fast. Yeah. That that is in and of itself amazing. So, Nicolene Vial, the the actual uh, flybys that the new data has come from happened uh, last April and November, but these first results, the first analysis, is now out. So, what has Parker been seeing? Well, Parker is seeing this solar wind, this plasma, this material from the solar atmosphere that expands out into the solar system. It's seeing that up close as it just forms. So that means we get to see structures and variability and complexity that we had hints of before, but now we really get to see it in its full detail up close right after it was made. So that's really cool. That tells us about how the solar wind is made. We also get to see explosions, uh, coronal mass ejections, and energetic particle events we call that space weather sometimes. And when those big energy events get to the Earth, they cause things like the northern lights, the aurora borealis. That's a beautiful thing that it causes. But it can also mess with the ionosphere, uh, interfere with our GPS signals, interfere with our radio signals. It can fry power grids. And if you're an astronaut outside of our protective atmosphere and outside of our protective magnetic field, uh, that radiation can actually... Um, harm spacecraft and astronauts. So is what Parker is learning likely to, say, help with uh, the, f the forecasts of that space weather that we do hear about when we, you know, we say, oh, uh, you know, a, a solar storm is coming, you know, you may have outages in your electronics or your GPS. Could that get better because of Parker? Exactly. Yeah. Parker Solar Probe has been able to see these energetic uh, events right after they're made and smaller ones than we've ever been able to see before, which helps us understand better the physics of how they're generated, how that energy gets into the particles and makes them go so fast they are approaching the speed of light. Wow. So Parker has uh, brought some surprises uh, in, in this first batch of data, one of them being that these solar winds you were talking about, you know, watching as the solar wind is produced, um, seeing solar winds 15 to 25 times faster than expected. First of all, how do you measure how fast the solar wind is moving and, and what does it mean that it's so much faster than we thought before? The cool thing about Parker Solar Probe is we're actually sticking, it's like sticking a thermometer into this material. And so that's how we measure the temperature. And then we can also measure the particles and how fast they come into the spacecraft tells us how fast they're going. So we directly measure that. And uh, it's so cool there that there are, there are these little bursts of solar wind. There's sort of no such thing as a quiet day on the sun. Even the quietest days on the sun, there are still all of these bursts of solar wind that come out. And we had hints that they were there before, but now we're seeing them sort of in their full glory and their full complexity and their full, um, you know, as big as they really are when they first come off the sun. Hmm. And you mentioned even on a quiet day on the sun. I mean, the, the sun has been in a, a relatively quiet phase. How has that affected what Parker has been able to see or how you interpret what Parker has seen? 
Yeah, so the sun goes through these approximately 11-year solar cycles, we call them. It's activity cycles. The magnetic field has a lot of energy bursts, and then it will have fewer of these energy bursts, these solar storms. Right now we're in a solar minimum, but the sun still has these energy bursts. And so what that means is we can study the individual um, energetic particle events, the individual coronal mass ejections, these individual explosions, and really understand them. And Parker will continue to measure the sun as it picks up its uh, in its intensity cycle. And so we can study the bigger events and the, the complex interaction between the events later on in the mission. This first pass uh, has been about 15 million miles from the surface of the sun. You said it'll get as close as 4 million miles as it spirals inward around the sun. What kind of information does that give you about the processes that are generating these winds blowing out from the sun? Yeah, the solar wind is so cool. It's uh, one of the things that I study. And each time we get closer, we learn more and more about uh, how that solar wind was formed. There's different kinds of solar wind that are all formed in different ways. Um, And so they look different. Some of these energy bursts or these flips in the magnetic field might be one kind. There might be other kinds that have different signatures. And the closer we get to the process and the more of the different kinds of this solar wind we get to see, the more we can understand just the fundamental physical processes that are going on in our sun. When you say different types of solar wind, I mean, here on Earth... There are, you know, names for different winds that come down off of mountains or blow on shore, that kind of thing. But it's always air that is blowing around. When you say there are different types of solar wind, is that different types of particles or just different processes that are generating it? Oh, that's an excellent question. A little bit of both, we think. But we don't quite know. What we observe is sometimes it's faster or slower. Um, And also, we can look at some of the heavier elements. So the sun is mostly made of hydrogen. There's a little bit of helium and a little bit of trace, uh, carbon, iron, things like that. And the amounts of those trace elements, the iron, the carbon, does change in the different kinds of solar wind. And uh, that's one of the keys, one of the traces of some of these different processes. Nicolene Vial, you said earlier that one of the key questions that Parker set out to answer or or mysteries maybe that it was supposed to help explain is is why the sun's corona essentially its atmosphere gets warmer as you move away from it i love that analogy that you used of you know why it would get warmer as you walk away from a campfire what has parker contributed to our understanding of that phenomenon at this point yeah so we know that one of the reasons that the solar wind even exists, this plasma coming off of the sun, is because of this really hot atmosphere. Those two processes are connected, but they're sort of different steps in the physical process. So we're seeing some of the waves, we're seeing some of the little explosions of magnetic energy. We're seeing the remnants of that with Parker Solar Probe, and it's helping us understand how those processes might also be happening lower down in the atmosphere. Hmm. I mean, given that some of this data coming back from Parker was so surprising, what does that say overall about our understanding of the sun? And what does that do to our understanding of the sun? Yeah, the data have just been so amazing. Every time we go to a new place, we learn something new. There have been two kinds of discoveries. There are things that we thought would probably be there, but we had no way to know for sure until we just went. And then there are other things that were kind of surprising. So... um, the uh, 
the bursts in the solar wind, we kind of had hints that they would be there, but we had no idea what they would really look like and how big they would actually be. So I expect to see maybe even more and maybe even bigger of those as we get closer. Um, Another surprising result that Parker has seen is the solar atmosphere spins with the sun, but the solar wind does not spin with the sun. And Hmm. where that breakdown happens um, affects the sun over its lifetime. It'll drag the sun and slow it down eventually. And theoretically, where that should have occurred is not where Parker measured it to have occurred. So that has implications for how the sun spins down over time. And that also tells us about how other stars spin down over their lifetimes, because that process happens on other stars as well. That was going to be my next question, is what does Parker teach us about other stars? I mean, do we even know enough to know if the processes are the same between, you know, all these different stars, if we're looking at them from so far away, and if what Parker is telling us from up close is so different or surprising? Yeah, it's amazing. I really think we need to look at all of the information together. We have so much information about our sun and so many details of our sun, but there's only one of them. And so it's only, you know, you can't make the sun do something different than what it does. What we can do is look at all of the other stars in the universe and see what they are doing and how they are different and at different stages in their lifetime. And by putting all of that information together, we can get a better picture of how our universe works. I, I just have to ask, you you did say that what you've discovered through Parker so far affects the rate at which the sun spins down. No dramatic change to the expected life expectancy of the sun, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> um, Plenty of time still uh, to explore yes, and yes, learn yes, more. we're good. <laughs> That's Nicolene Vial. She's a solar scientist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center talking to us about the Parker Solar Probe. Nikki, thanks so much. Thank you. Quick break here. When we come back, we'll have an update on the first week of UN climate negotiations. Stay tuned. <laughs> 